my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Welcome to the iHeart Speaker Series. I'm Will Pearson, Chief Operating Officer of the iHeart Podcast Network. It's always good to be good with you guys. As always, we love having these great conversations with our brilliant creators, our podcasters, our producers, and today is no different. We are actually joined today by Nicole Lappin, who is the host of Money Rehab. We, of course, know it's been a very strange year for all of us, and we all need good financial advice in such a strange time, whether it's negotiating rent, thinking about our side hustles, looking at investment properties, all the things that we're thinking about during such a strange time. And so today, Nicole is joining us. She is the host of the fantastic Hush Money as well, a podcast we were already doing with Nicole. She's a best-selling author, regularly appears on places like CNN, CNBC, at pretty much every major outlet looking to give financial advice. And actually, Nicole has already changed my life a little bit. We're gonna see how much it is, but Nicole, I have to tell you, in one of your episodes, you talked about 
unclaimed money that we all have out there, right? And so you finally inspired me to go give it a shot. I think I told you this story that there's this older gentleman that rides around on his bike in the neighborhood. This may be a little strange, but he actually likes to put in the names of his neighbors into the systems online to see who might have unclaimed property and then to inform him. And so when I'm out on a jog and I pass him, he always likes to tell me, Will, you have unclaimed property or unclaimed money out there. You need to go get it. And I would always ignore him until your episode and I have filed it and I've been told in five to seven weeks, I'm going to find out how much money that is. So I'll, I'll let you know what happens. Please do. I'm waiting with bated breath. I can't wait to hear what the amount is. And that, by the way, only happens in Alabama, I think. Yes. I don't see any people riding around the mean streets of LA telling me I might have unclaimed money. But yes, everyone else, after, of course, and this is over because this is all we should be doing right now, unclaimed.org, and you can check out and see if you have any free money. I had 40 bucks, so yeah. that was it's pretty amazing. It was a really fun episode because your fantastic producer, Morgan, actually was on the phone with her mother, guiding her through the process. It was pretty terrific. So, Nicole, just to back up a little bit, you came to this field in a pretty different way. Like it was, you, you didn't have the obvious path to becoming a financial expert. You didn't necessarily come from money. You didn't grow up reading the Wall Street Journal. So, I'm curious, just from the very beginning, how did you get so interested in money? Yeah, I grew up in an immigrant family, so first-generation American. I only knew about cash growing up, like a lot of first-generation Americans, and I hated finance. My boyfriend in high school, Will, told me he wanted to be a hedge fund manager, and I thought the guy wanted to be in gardening. So I was super, super, super clueless until I needed a job. And I was in broadcast news, and I stalked the station chief in Chicago, and I wanted a job in big market Milwaukee as a local news reporter. And he told me I didn't get the job, but he asked me if I knew anything about business news. And I was 18 at the time, and I knew nothing, of course and I was sweating profusely. And I said what any 18 year old looking for a job would say, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love business news, of course, all day, every day. And I faked it till I made it. And I realized that money is just a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. So once I could speak that language, I could speak it to the world and then fast forward, 20 years later, I never imagined I would be teaching other people how to do it. But yeah, I don't use any of that jargon stuff because I never learned it. I didn't work at a yeah. bank, get my MBA. And I think that's the biggest hindrance to getting your financial life together is just to speak the language. Mm -hmm. What was that moment for you where you realized, oh, wow, like people are really taking me seriously as an expert in this category. You know, you become a best-selling author, rich bitch, boss bitch, like so many great books. Was there a moment for you where you're like, you know what? I do know what I'm talking about here. Well, yeah. So, of course, I learned very quickly what I was talking about and giving financial advice to old rich white dudes on CNBC, anchoring the early morning show and Bloomberg and CNN during the financial crisis. And then I realized that that's actually not my audience. So I was in network television news for a decade and I wanted to speak to my former self, that girl who was smiling and nodding and not joining basic money conversations because she was too intimidated yeah. and too scared. Yeah. So then I launched Rich Fitch and I thought, okay, either people are gonna love this 
or they are going to hate it. But either way, there are going to be feelings about the first finance book that swears. By the way, I didn't know I was doing that at the time. I didn't know I was sort of disrupting this category. I just thought it was a way to get the spinach down to the audience that needs it most with a whole bunch of candy on top. And it hit the New York Times bestseller list right away. It sold out. It became this thing that honestly surprised me. And one book became two books, became three books. Now I'm launching my fourth in January as part of a seven book deal, which will be. Wow, that's a lot of books, Nicole. Yeah, it's not not a lot of books. That's fantastic. So in your podcast now, Money Rehab, which is a daily podcast, which is also a lot to keep up with. But, you know, what we realized during this time of, you know, so much uncertainty is that people were looking for this advice and their daily rhythm and so much that they're wanting to learn about. One of the things I love that you do is, you know, every few episodes you'll do what you call a change maker episode where you'll interview some pretty big public figure. It might be like a Rebecca Minkoff or the points guy or Katie Cassidy, you know, just hearing from them, like the advice they would have given themselves or the conversations they wish they could have had with themselves before they made it. I'm curious in some of those, like what have you learned? What has surprised you and in, in some of those conversations? Well, I wanted to do these segments because they are aspirational, but also really, really honest. Like these are folks that I don't let get away with the sound bites and they open up about the debt they were in, or in some cases like Rebecca Minkoff, she's super honest about the debt she is still in. And I think that just shows all of us that we all have problems. Mm -hmm. You know, I realized that the way to open up this conversation was to go first about my embarrassing money stories, and I have plenty of them to fill 10 books with. And so once somebody goes first, you feel like, oh, I have license now to do the same thing. And so the only problem you can't fix is the one you don't admit you have. And it's really, really refreshing to see people who you think have it all together still struggling with something. Yeah. With money. Well, there's been lots of crazy financial news over the past year. It's been such a weird moment. And of course, one of the big stories of the year has been the GameStop story. And actually in one of your episodes, you talked to the Redditor, one of the guys that just made millions off of this situation. Tell me a little bit about that conversation. What was that like and what did you learn from that? So this is probably the biggest financial story of the year, right? This GameStop idea that really, you know, democratized what we thought the financial markets are. And a bunch of flash mobbers, Redditors, beat the hedge fund guys at their own game. And it was awesome to hear from somebody who made millions of dollars more than he had ever made at his job. And it showed me this newfound interest in the financial markets, in investing. I mean, I was harassing you for I don't know how long, telling you we have to do a daily show because this is the time that people really, really not only need to care about it from you know the start of the pandemic where people were scared. If they had an emergency fund, it was being depleted. If they didn't, they now realize like, duh, Nicole, all the times you told me I need an emergency fund, I get it now. And there were so many questions that we just couldn't handle on Hush Money during you know a weekly or bi-weekly show. And I thought that these are the types of questions that are not only in the zeitgeist, but so, so important important to yeah. address that on. Yeah, for sure. When we think about questions that come in from your listeners, you're frequently getting those questions. They often inspire the types of episodes or the topics that you guys cover in the podcast. I'm curious, you know, because you've been getting questions for so long as the pandemic's been going on, 
How has that changed? Like, what are people asking differently? What kind of financial advice are they looking for now that maybe they weren't asking as much about, you know, pre-pandemic? Well, a lot of it is still being written, right? So as soon as you get your financial life together and you can speak this language, which by the way, in the back of my books, I rewrite financial dictionaries, which means I'm super cool. That's what I did on the weekends. And then there are just new words that pop up, like NFTs. Yes. Like, who knew that those were going to be financial terms? So we're also learning this together. And I think right now there are a lot of questions about those terms that are in the news. There are a lot of questions about basic investing because I think there's this realization that, yes, you can and should budget. Yes, you can and should save, but that will never, never grow wealth. Mm -hmm. And basic investing is what will grow wealth. And it's really easy. I could do it. Anyone could do it. And I'm really, really honest about how I messed up every step along the way. But ultimately, you know, I'm the least likely person to be able to do this. So it's not that serious. And by the way, the math stuff as you know, to get your financial life together is something a fifth grader can do. That's often the excuse, but it's the humanities part. It's the relationships part that really trips us up. It's talking to our significant other about money, about prenups, uh, getting our friend to pay us back, negotiating our rent, negotiating our salary. And I like to talk listeners through those conversations and even let them be flies on the wall, so to speak, while I'm having my own conversation so they can hear how that goes. Because I think in theory, we know we need to negotiate. We know we need to have these hard money talks, but we kind of don't even know where to start. So again, I take it for the team. Well, when you say hard money talks, it's actually one of the questions that came in almost immediately, which is something that you guys talked about a good bit in Hush Money is, why do you think people are so intimidated by the topic of money? It is a really good question. Like, why is it something that is considered hush-hush and is just a tough thing for people to talk about? It is so loaded, right? You know, it's a mind, you know what? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here. If you have it or if you don't, right? You're embarrassed if you don't have it, you're embarrassed if you do have it. And ultimately, our show and everything I stand for is about empowerment and understanding. And money is just a tool to do that. Yeah. So figuring out the life you want and then reverse engineering to figure out how to get the money to live the life you want and realize that goals have price tags is the way to cure that intimidation because you're bringing it back to goals that you want. And I often say create sub-savings accounts and put like Will's Mexico vacation as one of them. So you're saving toward that actual thing instead of feeling like you're always paying a bill, you're always being taxed, you're always having to save a nickel and dime. You know, I really approach finance from a place of aspiration, not deprivation. And I believe that if you look at your finances like a diet, a regular diet feels really scary, like a budget where, you know, you hear a lot of traditional old school financial experts say, don't buy a latte, you know, clip coupons, curl in the fetal position, the And I say, buy your latte, you know, allow yourself small indulgences so you don't binge later on. You know, an eating plan for a regular diet is something sustainable. You allow yourself a Hershey's kiss so you don't end up gnashing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night because you're so hungry and you're so deprived. The same thing goes for a financial diet. So allow yourself a latte because in the beginning of the year, a lot of folks will say to me, Nicole, you'll be so proud of me. I cut out the morning latte. And then come this time, they're like, so I was so good cut out the morning latte. I got myself a Gucci purse to reward myself. And I'm like, <laughs> if you just 
bought yourself a latte every single day. Just get a latte. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. One of the things I love about the show is that you guys are also helping to clarify things that we see in the news. You, you mentioned NFTs a little while ago, these non-fungible tokens that everybody is reading about, everybody is talking about, and yet they, I think, are so confusing to most people. Maybe let's just take a second on that topic of NFTs. If you don't mind just explaining to the audience here, what are NFTs? Why have they become all the rage? And then maybe even where do you see it all going on that front? Sure, crypto has become a big thing for us. Of course, even when we were conceptualizing the show, we didn't know that because it wasn't happening. So 
as NFTs were bubbling up, we thought of ways to tackle it. And yeah, the first thing was WTF, our NFTs, which is mm -hmm. our episode. And non-fungible tokens, you're absolutely right, Will, A+, plus makes you think, well, what the heck is a fungible token, right? right. And what the heck is a token? So something that is non-fungible is something that doesn't have the same value. So something that's fungible would be Bitcoin or a dollar. If I gave you five bucks, and you gave me five bucks back, it would be the same thing, right? right. But if I gave you a Britney Spears poster and you gave me that poster behind you, whatever that lovely painting is, it would not be the same, right? And so that is essentially what is going on with NFTs, that they are tokens, which means they are in the blockchain and blockchain is the technology that powers cryptocurrency. Blockchain technology can be used for a whole bunch of different things. But cryptocurrency lives on the blockchain. Bitcoin is one of the many cryptocurrencies, just like the dollar or just like the yen in fiat currency. Yeah. So you have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, you have Ripple, you have Dogecoin or Doggycoin, as I like to call it, just because why not? And NFTs live with Ethereum right now. So if you go to Coinbase, if you set up your wallet, if you haven't done so already and you want to play around, I recommend no more than 1% of your net worth going to crypto. And then you can buy a non-fungible token, which is really dominated right now by art. We've seen probably headlines of millions of dollars for this stuff. I think of right. it like, you know, you're buying a plaque on a bench. You know it's there. Not everyone knows about it. And it makes you happy. So great. And what's weird about the NFTs are that they can be replicated, but only one person owns the original. So like there's yep. one original Monet and there's a whole bunch of replicas. Same jam goes for NFTs. I think it's going to continue to grow. I think that there is more and more interest in cryptocurrency, of course, as a hedge on inflation, as you know, a lot of countries that are dealing with heavy, heavy inflation need to go to cryptocurrency because they can wake up tomorrow and have their currency be totally worth nothing. And so, yeah, I think that we are in a place where there's just going to be more interest, not less. Yeah, somebody wrote in the question, if only 1% of my net worth should go into crypto, what should I do with the other 99%? So. <laughs> it's a great question. So with crypto stuff, I say only put in what you can afford to lose and yeah. also put in something because if that 1% becomes 100%, then you can't right. afford not to be in on it. So I break down a spending plan into the three E's because I love alliteration. I actually wanted to be a poet when I grew up. I started as an English major. So honestly, if I could do all this stuff, seriously, anyone could do it. So essentials and game and extras where 70% of your overall spending plan goes to the essentials. So your food, your housing, your transportation, all that jazz. 15% goes to the extras. So the latte we talked about, the nanny petty, which I know you enjoy on occasion, Will. Whatever makes you happy, 15%, you know, try to stick to that amount. And then 15% to the end game. So your future self, the future will, your retirement, your savings, and all of that. And in my next book, I really zero in on what that 15% looks like. And we do that a lot on the show. The first step, you know, is to create an emergency fund. So as we've seen, emergencies happen and they tend to happen all together oftentimes. And so in pre-pandemic days, I would say, three to six months, 
now I say closer to a year ideally, of just the bare bones stuff that you're going to need. The rice and beans diet. I used to live on rice and beans, by the way, and being paycheck to paycheck myself felt fancier than ramen. So keep that aside, put that in a savings account, in an online high yield savings account, in a money market account, in a CD, something that's easily able to be liquidated. And then beyond that, I talk about being, you know, conservative to start with net <laughs> not Netflix and chilling, although you should Netflix and chill because you should also treat yourself, but index funds and chill. In the beginning of the pandemic, people were like, do I buy Peloton? Do I buy Zoom? Do I buy, you know, all of the speculative stuff? And I say when you're getting into it, really just stick to the index funds. And if you don't know what an index is, just really quickly, it's what you hear in the news a lot. So the Dow, the S&P 500 are up and the is up. Those are indexes. And so if you're buying an index fund, you're basically buying a little bit of the S&P, let's say if you're buying an S&P 500 index fund. And Warren Buffett, who's a pretty smart dude, said the best investment Americans can make are low cost S&P 500 index funds because rarely fund managers beat the market. And but- he's done pretty well for himself. So that's probably pretty good advice. Let's go back to the podcast and just the whole field of podcasting. You know, So you created your first podcast with us, Hush Money, and now Money Rehab. What is it about podcasts that you love? Why make a second podcast? Is there something different about what you can do in this space versus, you know, writing or your TV work or anything else that you're up to? True, true basketball. No, I, I think that you guys obviously are the leaders and have done such an amazing job with distribution and quality of content. And I think this is a medium that I was new to when I first started the first podcast. And I realized that there is so much power right now and there's just so much more interest in audio and being audio first. And it was really, really fun for me to figure out how to tell these stories through audio. So having people, as I mentioned before, listen in on a negotiation I had with my own landlord or for getting my own credit card APR down or listening into a conversation uh, trying to get my friend to pay me back. And so it's been really, really fun to rethink what this looks like for this medium and have it be as exciting, dare I say, because people are like, finance, dude, that's not exciting, as anything I've done in any other of the mediums. What about topics that you guys have in the works? What are some things you've been either you know seeing bubbling up or the types of questions that you're getting that you're wanting to cover in, in upcoming episodes? So, so, so many. We're looking at minimum wage, what's going on with that. Of course, Bank of America just increased their minimum wage in 2025. Amazon protests were really responding to what's going on in the news. Dogecoin or Dogecoin is one of our new episodes. Um, I could not keep a straight face as I was going through that, but we try to bring a little levity to these conversations so you can at least be informed about them. And we really love to do interventions where I talk one-on-one with a listener and go through their problems and they call in. And I think it's really helpful to hear the texture and the nuance for individuals' problems because oftentimes, you know, we all have the same, but just a little bit of a different variation. And so that's been really rewarding. And we're going to do more of that and more WTF episodes because, you know, listen, even people in financial services are confused. A lot of us are confused. We don't learn this stuff in school. We don't learn it at home usually. I didn't. And so at some 
point you have to put your big girl and big boy pants on and say, just because it's always been done a certain way, just because I was clueless before doesn't mean that's the way it always needs to be. Yeah, well, and especially right now in a time where, you know, you're seeing even economists disagreeing on what's going to happen, you know, over the next six months or the state of the economy right now or the recent jobs reports, you know, certainly surprising for a lot of people. And so just a, a last question that came in from somebody in, in terms of how to think about the next six to 12 months as we hopefully exit this very strange period that has been, you know, pandemic life. What do you think are some of the first steps that people can take to just support and improve their financial security for the long term? Yeah, I would say it's a great time to take an audit of everything. And again, it's not super funsy to look at your insurances and make sure they're up to date or look at your will. And hopefully you do have a will, will, because especially if you have kids, I know that's not a fun thing to think about, but that's what people who have their financial lives together do. Advanced directives, trusts, and all of those things. I think this is a great time to look at all of your interest rates across the board and start paying down if you do have debt from the highest interest rate first. I like to prioritize to pulverize. So if you start with the highest interest rate, not just indiscriminately trying to pay it off, which I like too, then you will pay down the interest you know, in a much more efficient way. So usually it's credit cards and then car notes. If you have one, I don't love borrowing on a depreciating asset. I don't love leases. I think they're a scam. That's another one of our episodes. Mortgages and then student debt because they can take away your house. They can take away your car. They can't take away your brain. And so look at all of those rates, prioritize those, make sure you're also getting the lowest interest rate possible. The worst thing any creditor can say is no, but the answer is always no if you don't ask and it's your hard earned money. So you might as well fight for it. And people are often confused about negotiating the APR on their credit card or negotiating any of these rates or medical debt. It's the largest debt in collections. Anything, anything is negotiable. Actually, I love that you, that seems to be a recurring message in the podcast when you've usually said the worst thing somebody can say in that term, that sort of negotiation is no. And it's true. Like, and I love that you sort of even exposed your own conversations in that sense when you were negotiating as well, negotiating your rent, which was a, such a fantastic episode. But again, Nicole, in a time like this, when we've lived through a very challenging past year, there's a ton of uncertainty and a lot of change. I genuinely appreciate what you're doing with Money Rehab because you know we hear from listeners all the time, just seeing the reviews on the show as well. You're bringing something to people that helps inform them, but it also brings them a sense of security and comfort and knowing that they've got, you know, for what what feels like them, uh, for them, a, a friend out there talking about the things that we should be thinking about. So, so thanks for the work you're doing and I hope everybody will check out Money Rehab. It is a fantastic daily podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to let me do it. And thank you to our amazing, amazing team whom I could not do it without. Yeah, it's a terrific production team. Well, I hope everybody will join us again next week for another part of the speaker series. For next week, we're actually going to be looking at what we've been doing in the branded podcast space and just the branded podcast space in general. There's an incredible podcast called Humans Growing Stuff that's sponsored by Scott's Miracle Grow. It's actually been nominated for some awards outside of the branded content space, which is a pretty good sign that it's doing it right. But that's going to be a a terrific conversation. Also wanted to remind you guys, if you love hearing these conversations week after week, or if there's any that you have missed, you can and check out our podcast Podversations on the iHeart Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to your podcast. But thanks again for joining us. Hope the rest of your week goes great.
Podversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.